Buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Time now for Rocky Jordan, brought to you by Del Monte Foods, the brand preferred by more women than any other line of canned fruits and vegetables in the world. Far from the Musk Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Del Monte presents Rocky Jordan and this week's story, Black Ball. It was in the quiet part of the afternoon. I was back in the office of my tambourine, catching up on some paperwork, when Chris, my bartender, stuck his head in the door. The afternoon mail, Rock. Oh, thanks, Chris. Just lay it on the desk. They're just bills, mostly. Well. Say, Rocky. Hmm? You've been expecting something from Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo? Oh, why? Well, this little package here, it's stamped Monte Carlo. wonder what it is. Hmm. There's one way of finding out. Well, what is it, Rock? Hmm. You ever see one of these? Well, I'll be. It's nothing but a little black ball. The kind they use on a roulette wheel. Roulette, sure. Well, isn't there anything else in the package? Or a note or something? Mm-hmm. Well, what's the game, Rock? That beats me. Then I guess we'll find out soon enough. Chris went out, and I sat there for a minute, tossing the black ball around in my hand, looking at it. Then I dropped it in the top drawer and got back to work. The crowds came into the tambourine heavy that evening, and I took over at the back end of the bar. From there, I saw her come in. She was Italian, pretty in a way, except for the look in her eyes. Her cold black hair seemed a little unkempt. A light traveling coat covered her too slim figure. Her right hand was in the coat pocket, and she kept it there. She pushed her way back and found a place directly across the bar from me. Cairo. An awful place. This is called the Café Tambourine, is it not? That's what the sign says, lady. It is owned then by a man named Rocky Jordan. Well, that's no secret. Would you please find him and tell him there is someone here to see him? Uh, What about? Tell your Mr. Jordan Carlotta is here. He will know what it is about. I don't think he knows anyone by the name of Carlotta. At one time, he did. At one time, he knew me very well. Huh? Where? In Milan. Now, would you please call him for me? I have something for him. Well, I hope he's going to like it. Where is Mr. Jordan, please? You're looking at him. I ask you not to jest with me. It's a fact. I'm Rocky Jordan. Do you not think I would know Rocky Jordan when I see him? The the wavy brown hair, the thin, smiling lips, even the cleft of his small chin. (laughs) Somebody's been playing a game with you. Hey, Chris. Yeah? What's up, Rock? Tell this lady my name. Your name? Oh, but can't you... Just tell her. It's Rocky Jordan, of course. Oh, I see. Thanks, Chris. Sure. Well, want to see some identification, driver's license, tax receipt? No, that is not necessary. 
I believe you. Again, I have been made such a fool. That happens to us all, one time or another. And I had something so nice for him. Something I have carried all the way from Milan. His present, huh? There in your pocket. Makes a bulge like a gun. You wish to see it? Very well. I'll cut it. Put it away. Of course. That's better. I will find him. No matter what his real name is. Let me know when you do. I don't like guys passing themselves off as me. Or if you meet him before I do, please tell him Carlotta is at the Hibbert house, waiting. She went out, and I kept wondering who'd been in Milan passing himself off as me. I stepped to the door and watched her walking aimlessly down the street. That's when I noticed a man in a white suit and broad-brimmed Panama hat to match standing across the way under a street lamp. He was watching Carlotta, too. He looked vaguely familiar, so I started out to have some words with him. I never made it because he and his white suit saw me and slipped away into the shadows. It was later that night that things began to happen again. I was walking down the busy Sharia El Boost on my way to a friend's house for a poker session. It was the red coat and the briefcase that first caught my eye. Then I saw the puffy red face and the blunt nose. It was a short, heavy set man with arches in his shoes coming my way, and he didn't stop till he bumped into me. Oh, so sorry, my friend. I moved to go on when I saw his fist open up before my eyes. In it was a little black ball, a roulette ball, exactly like the one that came in the mail. My calling card. Uh, we should talk now, Mr. Jordan, no? Yeah. This sidewalk cafe is most convenient. Uh, perhaps the vacant table. Uh, you're leading, mister. Here we are. Uh, Mr. Jordan, I am Emil Karnak. Uh, you are Rocky Jordan, are you not? That's right. Your orders, monsieur. Oh, just coffee for me. Uh, the same for me. All right, Mr. Karnak, you've got business with me. Let's hear it. Good, right to business. That's what I like. I am employed, Mr. Jordan, by the International Club of Monte Carlo. You, of course, understand now why I am here. As a matter of fact, I don't. Um, I have the figures. Um, let me see now. Mm, yes, here we are. July 2nd, 1949, you, Mr. Jordan, spent a session at a roulette wheel in the Monte Carlo International Club. I did? You lost at the roulette wheel a sum of 100,000 francs. You wrote a check for that amount, which uh, was not good. That's what your notes say. Oh, they are correct. Does the management of the International Club have dispatched me to Cairo, Egypt, to find Rocky Jordan owner of the Café Tambourine, to make collection. The coffee, monsieur. Oh, thank you, waiter. Here, you may keep the change. Merci, monsieur. Let's get this straight, Mr. Karnak. You mean you've been sent clear from Monte Carlo to collect 100,000 francs for me? Oh, I, I flew in only this morning. Oh, Mr. Jordan, delightful trip. The Mediterranean is a beautiful sight from the air at this time of year. Don't you think... Why all this hocus-pocus with the black ball? It was sent in hopes you would have the money ready. Only you don't come to the tambourine, you collar me on the street. <laughs> it is my method to handle these affairs with a minimum of embarrassment. Well, it's all very good, Karnak, only you got it wrong. I haven't been playing any roulette wheels and I haven't been to Monte Carlo in years. Indeed. There's a guy passing himself off as me. He's the one you're after. Well, I have a photograph of the Rocky Jordan I am looking for. The one who wrote the bad check. 
It is a photograph of you. Now, 100,000 francs payable in cash this time, plus my expenses, which I shall itemize. And if you don't get it? But, Mr. Jordan, there is no such thing. I always get what I am after. <laughs> but I am not unreasonable. It is night now. I am perfectly willing to wait until tomorrow morning when the bank opens. If you want me before, then I am at the Pyramid Hotel. Hmm? Good night, Mr. Jordan. Emil Karnak checked his hat, snuggled the briefcase under his arm, and walked off and down the street. After a second, I moved to follow till I saw somebody else lingering. Yeah. He didn't care what happened to his kids. I told him with all the war talk, this was the time to hang on to it. Restock the herds and get ready to make some money. Ranch is yours now. That's right. Mine and Mary's. Where were you when your father was killed? I was riding fences up by Red Knoll. Do you have any way to prove that? Any witnesses? You don't run into anybody up that way. That's our land. Folks stay off it. What about it, Frank? What about it? There's a lot stacked up against you. I know it. You can depend on my sister. You and anybody else would like to string me up for it. What about Millie? Was she in it with you? In it? Now, wait. Don't get the wrong idea. I didn't kill my pa. There's a lot stacked up against you. Well, there are places to go. I don't like jails and courtrooms. I think I'll just fade until it blows over. That's not the way. You won't make it. You're going to stop me? I'm being paid to see this thing cleaned up. I'll have to try. Get out of my way, Dollar. You sit down until the sheriff gets you. Get away from the door. You're an outsider. It's none of your affair. Now get out of the way. I said get out of the way. What's this to you? Stay where you are. You can't make me. No. I don't want to have to kill you. So don't get up. Frankie. What do you want, Millie? What are you doing with that gun? You've got to kill him, Frankie. Get out of here. You've got to. For me. Why? Because I lied. I lied to everybody. What about? About your pa. Elmer Bryce didn't kill him. Millie. Because I did. I killed him for you. You told me that night you wished he was dead. You remember that night? I remember, Millie. And I told you I'd do anything for you. Remember that? Anything. Yeah, I remember. I lied. Elmer Bryce came, but I stayed in the kitchen and heard everything he said. I knew he hated your pa, and after he ran away, I thought about it. You're crazy, Millie. I waited for a while, and when I knew nobody saw that man leave, I yelled to your pa again. And when he come in, I shot him. And that night, I threw away the gun. What's the matter with you, Millie? You know what's the matter. Now, you can't run off and leave me. You've got to help me. I can't help you. You... You've got to kill this man. I won't do it, Millie. Then you've got to take me away with you. I'm not going away now. I don't have to. I didn't have anything to do with it. This is the end for you and me. All right, Frankie. Hey, get down. Don't. Don't do it. Stop it. All right. All right. I did it for him. Now I don't care what happens to me. As far as I was concerned, that was it. Frank Coburn lost a lot of blood, but not his life. 
and his sister still had to live at the ranch with her ill-tempered brother. The hire who brought all this out was taken by the sheriff. When I left Blood River, the state had moved in to see what it could do about the lynching. But what that is, I don't know. The entire village was guilty of murder. And what could anybody do about that? All I know is that the original murder was not committed with the idea of insurance fraud. And in spite of the mess I got into, that's what I was hired to learn. Expense account item two, same as item one. Expense account total, $740. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Remember, friends, to make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. There's lots of cooling, real mint flavor in every stick. And chewing Wrigley's Spearmint helps keep you feeling fresh and alert. You feel better, work better, get more fun out of doing things. So indoors, outdoors, wherever you go, keep some helpful, refreshing Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. To make every day more enjoyable, Treat yourself often to delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is brought to you by Wrigley's Spearmint Gum and stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role, written by Gil Dowd, with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien could now be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production, 11 Ocean Drive. Featured in tonight's cast were Virginia Gregg, Bill Conrad, Junius Matthews, Sammy Hill, Clayton Post, Tyler McVeigh, Dave Life, and Howard Culver. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Delvey. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you've enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum every day. We invite you to join us again next week at the same time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of... Yours truly... Johnny Dollar. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. confidential investigator, and if you're smart, you'll put yourself on a schedule. You'll get to the office at nine and get out of it at five. You'll either lose it at dinner and spend the rest of the evening with a book you hope is good. That is, if you're smart. If you're me, you get restless, and around midnight, you drop in at Willie's wagon. You find Willie morosely staring at his coffee urn, a small but not underprivileged brunette with her head at the far end of the counter, sobbing. For a while, moment, you think that maybe Willie has wronged our little Nell. You then dismiss such happy fancies. You try to ignore the brunette who keeps right on sobbing, and you make a brilliant opening remark. What's new, Willie? Huh. Well, all right. How are the hamburgers? Not new. Think I should take a chance on one? You got the pendants? No. I'll make you a hamburger. Thanks. You better have a cup of coffee first. Why? Deaden your stomach nerves. I've tasted your hamburgers before. Well, I ain't improved since then. Willie. Huh? 
I know she didn't come at the place. I've never seen her here before. She's pretty, but does she have to make that noise? Uh, she is suffering from grief. She had the blue plate dinner here? According to what she tells me, she had a great loss. What did she lose? Her bull fiddle. A what? A bull fiddle. You know, them bloated violins. I know. Uh, she plays a double bass. What's that? A Carnegie Hall for a bull fiddle. Oh, yeah, yeah, except uh, nobody plays on a bull fiddle that she ain't got. It would be harder anyway. Come to think of it, losing one of those things is a little like misplacing the Empire State Building. It was swiped off her. Hey, here's your hammer. Thanks. Uh, Mr. Craig, uh, maybe you can help Susie. Uh, she don't find a bull fiddle, she's liable to be out of weight. She is accustomed to eating, so I do not think this will be good for her. Uh, Susie, come here. Huh? Uh, I want you to meet Mr. Craig. Oh. Hi, Mr. Craig. Hello, Susie. Mr. Craig ain't only a friend of mine, Susie. He's also a confidential investigator. Uh, you ought to tell him your trouble. I only got one trouble. You lost your double bass. Uh-huh. Only the kind of music I play is the bull fiddle. Where did you lose it? At the club, the 4920 club. You're a part of the band that plays the club? Uh-uh. I play solos. The customers like it because I'm so small and the bull fiddle's so big. And besides, I'm cheaper than the band, so they like uh, it. Bull fiddle isn't the kind of a thing a man could slip into his coat pocket. Uh, there can't be many things harder to steal. Whoever stole mine didn't worry about that. Well, when did you miss it? An hour ago. I got my number, went out for a walk, and when I got back... No bull fiddle? No bull fiddle. Well, there must have been people around. Well, the who... club closed early tonight. There wasn't anybody around when I got back except Brinker. Brinker? Who's Brinker? Well, he's almost as big as you are, but not so cute. Well, I'd have trouble recognizing him from that. Well, uh, he's sort of a caretaker club bouncer, you know? I don't. Uh, I'm afraid I may find out, though. All right, Susie, let's go over to the club. Maybe I'll be able to come up with something that might help. Gosh. Thanks, Mr. Craig. Hey, wait a minute, Tom. Closing up anyways, I'll tag along. Why? Well, uh, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I would like to meet a character who goes around swiping bull fiddles. I would also like to warn him to lay off the Brooklyn Bridge. It's fastened down. Willie closed up, then the three of us piled into my car, and we took off. And eventually, we arrived at the club. Is dark. Well, I get a key to the stage door. It's just down the alley here. Mr. Craig, does anybody want to steal my boat, Phil? I don't know. There's a truck parked outside the stage door. Hey, it's coming straight down the alley. I don't! Susie, Willie, get up against the building. Let now. Okay. You all right? Oi. Oh, we're so close, though. That truck didn't care much whether it ran us down or not. Back of it was open, and... Susie, you had a case with a bull fiddle? Uh-huh. It was on the truck. Oh? With a fiddle in it. Hey, we ought to be chasing it or something. Had too big a jump on us. I got the license number, though. 4X354. Maybe it'll come in handy later on. Right now, uh, let's get into the club. We're going to lock the stage door after the bull is stolen, huh? Another one like that, and I'll see to it you're forced to eat in your own lunch wagon. Nobody could be that cruel. 
No, it's open. They had no chance to lock it. Just a work light on over the dance floor. Oh, Mr. Craig. Yeah. One large man lying down. That's... That's Brinker. Well, he's alive. He was slugged and passed out, but I don't think there's any permanent damage. Hey, Mr. Craig. Yeah? Over here at the edge of the floor. On my way. Hmm. Pretty. Well, that... That's my bullfellow. It was a double base, all right. Whoever had left it here had propped it up against the ringside table. Old fiddle isn't a thing of beauty, usually though I don't mind looking at one. This one I didn't like to look at. Uh, think about it. That's yours, Susie? Yes, it is. The last time you saw it, uh, was it out here on the floor? Oh, no, it was back at the little bandstand down there. It was brought out only when I did my number, and then it was... Is taken... there a phone in the place? In the office, why? This may surprise you. The reason why I want a phone is to make a phone call. We're surprised. But uh, what are you going to call about? Susie's got her fiddle back. Sure. She hasn't got the case, though. Is that something to get excited about? A bull fiddle case? I don't know. I hope not. You're worried about something, aren't you? Lead me to the phone, Susie. I want to find a truck. Maybe it was the empty club. Shadows huddling in the unlit corners. The floor pale and shining in the silence that did the job on my nerves. Whatever it was, they were jumping. Lieutenant Rogers, homicide. Travs, this is Barry. Things are quiet down here at homicide, Barry. Do you have to finish this call? Now stop playing with your 5 beta Kappa key. I want to know who owns a truck. License number 4X354. What did the truck do, run you over? It came close. 4X354. Hang on, if I can wake anybody up over in motor vehicles, I'll have it for you in a couple of minutes. Thanks, Trev. I hung on. Barry? Yes? Name's Christopher Malone. Residence address 74 Eastlake. Garage at 12 River. That's what I wanted. You've got it. Barry? Yeah? Need a hand? I don't think so, Trav. All I've got so far is a sort of hunch. Probably want me to think. Go on back to that bridge game. No one in the department plays bridge while on duty. They play pinochle. So long, Barry. So long. Come on, Susie. Let's go back and see if Brinker has come, too. What's wrong with you, Mr. Brinker? I got a headache. In both heads? But this here ain't my head. This here's a lump on my head. Are uh, you a breaker? Or what happened? I was straightening up the place, and all of a sudden I feel somebody breathing down the back of my neck, so I says, stop breathing down the back of my neck. So he stops breathing down the back of my neck, and he hits me on the head. I shouldn't have told him to stop breathing down the back of my neck. Maybe not. Did you see who it was? I didn't see nothing or nobody. Too bad. Well, Susie, I'll take you home. Uh, well, are you coming along? Sure. Breaker, can you lock it up somewhere? Yeah, sure. One of the back rooms. Fine. Let's go. Well, it's all mixed up. Someone stole your fiddle. You sure of that, Susie? I'm sure of it, Mr. Craig. 
Then the fiddle was returned and the case was stolen. I'll hop in. Anybody got any answers? Well, maybe I'm asking the right questions, but none of the right people. We'll keep trying. We dropped Susie off at her apartment, swung around, and headed downtown again. The 74 Eastlake and a truck driver named Christopher Malone. Maybe I ought to take you home, Willie. I ain't no hurry. But your wife... That's why I ain't no hurry. All right, she's your wife. Don't rub it in. But I'm perfectly willing to share the truck driver with you. Truck ain't up front. No. Really? Name plate over the doorbell. Yeah, alone. Maybe he's a hard sleeper. Yeah, maybe. Second open door tonight. There's a light switch. I got it. You know, a guy could resent our barging in like... Not this one. Well, according to the police, Christopher Malone lives at 74 Eastlake. They're wrong. He's dead there. Trent came out with a couple of the boys from Homicide. They all stood around and stared at the corpse of the late Mr. Malone. He paid no attention. Corpses rarely do. We had a head start. We'd seen him before they did, so we left earlier. Tonight's Rocky Jordan story, Black Ball. Yeah, Al Margo had admitted everything. That he'd been a lot of places posing as me, Rocky Jordan. And now he held a gun that said the conversation was over. And a lot more. So I got out. I had one job before I made my next move, and that took me to the Hibbert house, where Carlotta had said she'd be waiting. She hadn't been waiting long because her overcoat was lying across a chair as she opened the door. Mr. Jordan, for what reason do you come here? I figure I'll find it here in your overcoat pocket. A gun, a couple of shells, empty maybe. Then you will be disappointed. The gun is not there. Ah. Where is it, Carlotta? If I tell you, you will take it from me. So why should I? I don't want you throwing any more shots at Al Margo. Not yet. Al Margo? In Milan. He used my name. So? His name is Al Margo. I'm glad you told me. Now, please, tell me where I can find him. It works both ways, Carlotta. You haven't yet handed over the gun. And you have not yet told me why you should care. Because there's a real smooth bill collector in for Monte Carlo named Emil Karnak. He's looking for Margo, too. Only he made the same mistake you did by coming to me. Oh, I see. You tried for Margot's life once tonight. I don't want that to happen again. Not that he clears me with Karnak. I have not shot at El Margot. Oh, I think different. You came to Cairo to find him and kill him. Why should I deny that? Carlotta, I think you'd better stay right here. And why should I? Because I don't want Margot killed by you or anybody else. Not that he talks to Karnak. I shall do what I like, Mr. Jordan. Oh, well, we'll fix that. I dialed Chris at the tambourine and told him to get right over. I stayed with Carlotta till Chris showed up, and then told him to hold it there till I got back. Then I went over to the Pyramid Hotel to get Karnak. 
I found him in the all-night grill alone at a front table. Ah, Mr. Jordan, a pleasant surprise. Please sit down. I'm glad you're here, Mr. Cornack. I want to clear this up tonight. Ah, you have the money then, Mr. Jordan. No, but I have the man you want. He called himself Rocky Jordan in Monte Carlo, but his real name's Al Margo. He's right here in Cairo. Mr. Jordan, my employer sent me only to see you. I know of no such man. And then it's time you met him. Come on. Very well, my friend, if you wish. I'll take you to Margo, and he'll give you the truth if I have to beat it out of him. Our taxi made it in a hurry through the night streets to the little rooming house, and Karnak and I went right in. At my first knock, the door was open, but not by Al Margo. Standing there, a freshly lit Egyptian cigarette in his hand, his fares correctly fitted on his head, was Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo Police. Well, come in, Jordan. You know, you ought to try sleeping at night, Sam. Ah, he, he is the one most noble Captain Sabaya Bay. Huh? I do not know the one with the red coat and the red face, but this man, I could swear... A moment, woman. Jordan, you see, on the bed... Yeah. Is he dead, Sam? You grasp for precious seconds, knowing full well that he is dead. You know him, of course. Sure, he's Al Margo. Mr. Karnak here and I were coming for a talk with him. Hey, Captain Sabaya, may I explain that Mr. Jordan brought me here? He will have to explain why. Well, Jordan? Margot could have told you that. Ah, you see, you see, Sabaya Bay. Like the thief in the night, he returns to the scene of his crime. Hey, wait a minute, what's she driving at, Sam? Continue, woman. Tell him what you told me. Most immediately, sir. I, the landlady, heard the song. I opened my door to see the unfortunate person fleeing in terror before this man. Like a wild one, he pursued the frightened one down the hall and into this room. We were both running from the same thing. Let her continue, Jordan. There were shots of violence from the room. I shrunk into my own humble quarters until much later I heard the shots and when the police came... Sam, are you trying to build a case on that kind of a witness? I wasn't in this room for Enough, minutes. Jordan. As yet, you stand accused of nothing. You better start hunting for an Italian girl named Carlotta. At the moment, I must attend to the victim. But there is much to be told. You will both remain available for questioning. Uh, anytime you say, Sam. Hey, my card, Captain Sebaye. I am at the Pyramid Hotel. Thank you, Mr. Karnak. I will see you both again, and very soon. Karnak and I went out down the hall of the street. Our taxi was gone, so we walked toward the Shariel booth to scout for a ride. That's when he got to talking. Oh, very regrettable, Mr. Jordan, that you have to be in such trouble. You think I am? Hey, consider, if I should suddenly let Captain Sebaya know what you have said to me, that this Margot assumed your name, that uh, he did much to place you in jeopardy, even to writing bad checks. Naturally, you were very angry. What are you driving at? There was a fight, was there not? Both the statement of the landlady and the appearance of Margot's room indicates that. Go on. It is not likely that Captain Sebaya will think... If, but then I am not interested in seeing you face a charge of murder. And what are you interested in? That you pay me 100,000 francs. Plus expenses. Until tomorrow morning, then, when the banks open... Karnak was still smiling as he turned and walked away. And I was off in another direction, to the Hibbert house. 
Right then, it looked like my plan to have Chris hold Carlotta in her room and out of trouble hadn't worked. And I wanted to know why. I didn't expect an answer to my knock. Hello, Rocky. Chris, what did I tell you to do? What do you mean? All you said was... The bartender delights in work, Mr. Jordan. You should give him a raise. Chris, I told you to keep her in here. I told you not to let her... Take it easy, Rocky. She hasn't moved from that chair. She's been in here all the time. Well, that's what you said, wasn't it? What difference does it make? Why are you so excited? Tell me, Mr. Jordan. All right, I will, Carlotta. Al Mark, the way she stood there and looked at me. We went a couple places. I took her home. For time. About three. Kissed her and put my foot in the door. So she put a high heel on my instep and smiled and said a thing about a lot of tomorrows. <laughs> I'm young. That's it, huh? Eh, book me for whatever you've got. Dr. Sylvia. Eh, you think there's something to do to me waking me, huh? I'm going back to sleep. You're not going to believe it, Danny. As sure as you're sitting here in your office, you are not going to believe it. Well, just tell me about it, Gino. Well, last night, just after Mrs. T tucked me in and climbed over to her side of the bed, we yeah. heard... Come on in, Marvin. What's up? See that snapshot of Lona Hansen for a minute? Sure. There. Yeah. Use your phone. Go ahead. Johnny? Smuggling, Johnny. That girl just brought in. Changed the Jane Doe tag to Lona Hansen. That's right. You heard me, Danny. Lona Hansen. Found in Nally in Spanish Harlem under some liquor crates. Knife beaten. Dead. Listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Edgar Charles Mortimer, Ray Noble, wait, this name dropping has gone far enough. As far enough to identify the chief laugh makers on the Edgar Bergen Charlie McCarthy Show. Enjoy them all Sunday evenings on most of these same CBS radio stations. January on Broadway, the night comes swiftly, and before, briefly, it hangs above the city, pushes down thumbs of black against corner places, takes hold, takes over, and night takes over everything, except where it's torn by the riot of light, and people walk it with upturned collars and dream the winter dreams. Once upon a timeland in January, wrapped in misty chill, and the laughter is always at the other end of the block. Consider this night the death of a girl, named Lona Hansen, found dead in a place strange to her, found knifed in Spanish Harlem after an evening with a boy whose home was there. To go back now to see the boy again. You? Again, you? Your brother, Mr. Earth. I'd like to see him. Why? Your brother went out with a girl last night. We found her near here, beaten, knifed, dead. Miss Rios. You think Julio did it? Julio the beauty? That he must beat a girl? 
I put her to knife when, where he was today, weak and sight. Julio to be a girl who pleads of him his touch. <laughs> where is he? Try the night, police. This is also to Julio. The night. And the things of it. The women who wait for my brother. Try it, police. Where'd he go? Julio. Brother to me. Where'd he go? No. I do not know where my brother goes. Only to me, to eat, to sleep, to stay little. Now, to bring me his death, I spoke not truth to you. It is in Julio to tell. I have seen it. Is there a phone where I can... Miss Reyes? In the hall. The man. Julio. The brothers to me. Danny Mugman, put out on all points on Julia Rios. Suspicion of murder. You got something for Mike. Oh, you stopped in on your way home. In fact, what I stopped in to tell you is that what I started to tell you about what happened night before last, after Mrs. T had tucked me in, I can't tell you. Oh? Indeed. I phoned Mrs. T just a few minutes ago to get what I should bring home tonight, and she warned me it was so unbelievable I shouldn't tell. Of course, if you insist. No, if your wife said, don't, you better not. It's just that we were lying there, and all of a sudden, out of the night, came the sound of a trumpet. I looked at Mrs. T, she at me, and we shook hands. Uh, Gino. And, but for the fact that the trumpet player was playing tippy-tippy-tin, we thought for what sure... What have you got for me, Gino? <clears throat> Very well, Danny. Report on all points bulletin on Julio Rios. Nothing. Fellows picked up to answer his description turned out to be other fellows. Why don't you just listen to what happened to us, Danny? Danny Clover speaking. You're looking for me, aren't you, Mr. Clover? Julio? Julio, Mr. Clover. Julio Rios. Where are you? Corner of 112 in Lennox, the cathedral. The cathedral? Where I'm going to wait for you. I don't think I'll change my mind, Mr. Clover, but you never know. You better hurry. <laughs> And uptown again, and quick start and flow of winter city seen through speeding glass, throw and burst of winter color against a thousand facades of stone, and against shop windows the swift reflected blue of sky, fleet curve and flight of nameless images, surge, drift, and ebb of city, to the place of tenements, to play and sob of wind through street litter, to a corner where the silence of carved stone is, and the woman in a black shawl ascending its stairs, entering its door, kneeling, crossing herself. Moving to where shadows reflect the soft gleam of candle. Cathedral. And a part of it, the white-haired man in flow of black robe who rises from the altar moves towards you. You are of the police? Yes, sir. I'm Father Churro. This cathedral is of my... Julius Rose called me, Father. He said to come I here. Know. He said, come quickly. 
Is he still here? I must tell you of Julio Axe. He's wanted for murder, Father, is he here? He waits for you, the sacristy. Will you listen of Julio a moment? Mary, Father. The death of the girl was not his. He was with her. They went to places together after his fight. We found her in an alley near his home. But her death was not his. He told me of this, of this being with her, how she came to him. How, Take me to him, Father. How only there was the quick touch of lips between them, the gentle farewell, and the leaving of her, of Lorna Hanson, and not there. Father. Julio waits. I will take you to him. Julio. Julio, the police. Okay, Clor. Let's go. Julio. Yes, Father. I have told him. I have told him. But you just never learned, do you, Father? Thanks, anyone. Come on, Clover. What are we waiting for? I call you, you come running. Now I say let's go, so do it. You eager for it, Julio? Look, cop. What you got to say, Melissa? You say someplace else, not here. I asked you something, Julio. What makes you so eager? Cop, I spoke to you. I asked you real polite. Julio. Right, Father. Yes, cop. Why did you run, Julio? If you didn't kill, why did you run? Then call me and give yourself up. Why? Why did I? (laughs) You must be kidding. Has to be. Tell me. Yeah. Yeah, I do that. Word gets around fast here where I live. All kinds of word. This word said a girl did in an alley. A boy they knew was with her. Kissed her goodnight. This word says run. Because in this world up here, it's never been any other way. No talk, no truth, just run. But me, I come here. To follow Churro. And I stop running. So what are you waiting for, cop? Let's go book this pigeon for murder. Dr. Stinsky? Come in, Danny. Well, next time you leave a note on my desk, Dr. Stinsky, type it. Your handwriting always looks like a prescription. I don't know whether you <laughs> want to see me or you want me to have it filled. <laughs> sit down, Danny, sit down. Uh, what do you want to see me about? Upset about something, Danny? Yeah, I'm upset. I just had a book of kid on suspicion of murder. Kid who talks tough. And... Well? Well, what? Nothing, Danny. You should try to relax more. Maybe I should write something on a piece of paper that you can take to a drugstore to settle you down a little bit. I'd be very happy. Well, come on, come on. The reason why I wanted to see you is to tell you the blood found in the room of Miss Lona Hansen is not the blood of Miss Hansen. What? Different type, Danny. You're sure? Positive. Well, that's what I wanted you to know, Danny. Drop around sometime when blood isn't the topic of conversation. You'll see. There are other things to talk about. In here, Mr. Ford. Okay. For why? Just go in, huh? All right. What kind of place is it? Infirmary. Have a chair. Okay. You call me down, I can't know what happens. We're waiting for Detective Margovan and Julio. I'll be glad to see the boy. How is he? Bitter. He's got to be bitter. Things I did for him, the way he lost it, 
All he knows is bitter. All he... Oh, hi, kid. Treating you okay? All right. Okay, Margaret, bring her in. Right. Okay, nurse. Nurse, hey, what is this? Don't worry about it. This routine I never heard about. Nurse with a needle. Oh, that isn't a needle. It's a lancet. Taking blood specimens. Okay, nurse. Oh, you don't have to roll up your sleeve, kid. Just stick out your index finger. Hurt? No. Now here, Mr. Ford. <laughs> Tricky. Call me from the lab as soon as you find out, nurse. Now what? We wait. For what? For a lab report on blood type. How long is that going to take? It depends on how rushed they are down in the lab. What's all this blood type about? Checking a thing. Yeah, we've got to find a killer, so we're checking. You boys are careful. Hey, Julia. Yeah. You should have been careful, too. You got an eat someplace, manager? <laughs> sure. Okay. Or you got any? Ah, kid, kid. You're still angry, manager, huh? Angry? About what? Because I didn't throw you a bone the other night. Oh, kid, kid. Hey, mister, you, Clover. Huh? You figure it's between him and me? We're pretty sure. I'm going to relax while you tell me why. A man beat up that girl. Both of you were with her that night. Oh. Yeah. You, uh, you don't want to leave us too alone, do you? Sit down, kid. Wait. Mugovan. Yeah. Oh, thanks. They're running it through now, Danny. Almost done. Uh-huh. What's all this going to prove? I don't know what it's going to prove, but I ain't nervous. You look nervous, manager. Oh, kid. Killer boy. Mugovan. Well, I get a pencil. I'll write it down. Yeah. Type one? Yeah, I got it. What's for it? Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, Doc. Here you are, Danny. Here's what the lab's on. Yeah. Julio? Now, look, I don't care what you found. I didn't kill Lone. Take it easy, will you? She was a good kid. I didn't kill her. What do you got? Things downstairs in the laboratory to make me a killer? Go home, Julio. Go home? That's what he said, manager. Fine, manager. <laughs> Tricky, huh? Gonna let him hang himself. Take off your shirt. What? What? All these buttons, unbutton them, then take it off. Well, what for? There were bloodstains in Lona Hanson's apartment, match your type. So... So take off your shirt. Don't you understand what the lieutenant is saying? Somebody was scratched or cut or something in Miss Hanson's apartment. It wasn't Miss Hanson. We think it might be you. We just want to look you over to see whether you were scratched or cut. No, 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 not, not to me, you won't. Okay, Mugovan, then get a couple of boys to take him to the shower room. No, wait a minute, I... Take off your shirt. All right, I... Clover. You having trouble with the shirt? Listen. Yeah. She cut me. I just told you Lona cut me, Clover. When you went back to the apartment? She told me to come up about three after Julio left. Why? Well, she liked me. So she cut you? When she told me to come back, well, there was a little fight. She grabbed the knife, she cut me. And I slugged her. Yeah. Quite a few times. Well, she cut me first. Then I slugged her. I dumped her... Where you found her? When we found her, she was stabbed. I had to make sure. She really asked you to come back to her apartment, Ford? Uh, no. 
No, she didn't. Well, listen, guys, haven't you ever seen a babe and you got to see her again? <laughs> sure you have. You know how it is. You'll do anything just to see her. Talk to her. You know how it is. Sure you do, huh? Get him out of here, Muggerman. Night slips over Broadway like a black silk stocking splashed with sequins. And then the street is as splashy as a showgirl on an after-dinner date. But it'll be daytime in a few hours. And Broadway will wear baggy pants and throw pies at itself. It's a sigh or a scream, day or night. Whatever you're looking for. Whatever you want. It's Broadway. The gaudiest. The most violent. The lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway. My beat. Broadway's My Beat stars Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover with Charles Calvert as Sartaglia and Jack Crucian as Mugovan. The program is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis, with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. In tonight's story, Tom Tully was heard as Bud, and Anthony Barrett as Julio. Featured in the cast were Charlotte Lawrence, Jeanette Nolan, and Herb Butterfield. Bill Anders speaking. My Little Margie offers a comic lesson in spite when Margie's dad, that's Charles Farrell, you know, asks Margie, she's Gail Storm, to give up her... Tomato sauce really brings out the best flavor of the food you cook with it. Plain dishes become special dishes. Mrs. Irwin C. Jones of Los Angeles knows how helpful Del Monte tomato sauce can be. She's been cooking with it for 20 years, and she said... We're a family of hearty eaters, and we love good food with lots of flavor. And there just isn't anything like Del Monte tomato sauce for flavor. It has a nice fresh tang, and it keeps so bright when you cook it in. And that's mighty important, especially with plain foods such as pastes and leftovers. Oh, I'm sold on Del Monte tomato sauce, all right. I'd hate to be without it. And once you have tried Del Monte tomato sauce, you'll hate to be without it too, friends. So take a tip from Mrs. Jones. Pep up those plain foods. Give a zesty, hearty flavor to everyday dishes with Del Monte, the original tomato sauce. You can depend on its matchless flavor just as you depend on all Del Monte foods for flavor. Back now to Rocky Jordan for the conclusion of tonight's story. A phone call brought Sam Sabai in a hurry. Harnack was carted off to a hospital with nothing more than a bullet hole in his shoulder. And Carlotta was taken to headquarters for questioning. And Sam joined me at the tambourine. I made up a pint of coffee in the kitchen. We sat down in my office. When an Egyptian enjoys his food or drink, it's considered polite to show his host by making as much noise with it as possible. Sam's as polite as they come. Most excellent coffee, Jordan. <laughs> That's what I hear, Sam. 
you. <laughs> the manners of the East bewilder you at times, do they not? Just as I do not understand certain ways of your people. Ah, sometimes they all confuse me. Yes, indeed. Yet the inherent traits we find in all people, do we not? Love, hatred, avarice, fear. Yeah, we saw them all today. With the pitiful Carlotta, it was love. Uh, mixed up with hatred. You know, after Margot left her in Milan, she came to square things. Didn't mm. help when she found out he hadn't even told her his right name. Mm. And the avarice we find in Emil Karnak. Yeah, a good employee of his company until he saw the chance to get rich. He found out Margot was his man, but he also found out Margot didn't have any money. Karnak thought I did, so he killed Margot and kept the heat on me. Mm. <laughs> it's too bad he didn't get a look at my bank account. I fear that Karnak has quite enough trouble ahead. We shall get a confession. All I'm concerned about is Carlotta. Why, Jordan? Did she not fire the gun only to save your life? Well, yeah, sure. She will be given her freedom. Oh, good. I guess she couldn't ask for any more than that. She will return to Milan, motor rich in her wisdom of the ways of the world. <laughs> Want to know what I got out of it, Sam? What, Jordan? Yeah. There it is. A, a little black ball? Off a roulette wheel in Monte Carlo. As you Americans would say, you have been behind the black ball? Oh, you're a little mixed, Sam. You mean the eight ball? In your case, is there any difference, Jordan? the finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte catsup and chili sauce. Del Monte tomato sauce and canned tomatoes. And Del Monte tomato juice. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Larry Roman and Gomer Cool, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jane Novello as Sam Sabaya. And his fourth front street. I got a photographic memory for those things. Thank you, Mr. London. That's all. I've been some help? Yeah, you have. I'm glad. Anytime, Mr. Clover. Good night, Mr. Clover. Who's giving me all this pleasure? The police. Your name, George Harper? Mitchell's the name frame. Billy Bob Mitchell. And on account of your police, I'm going to make a point of it. Have a wallet, friend. Just the identification, friend. Because your name's not Harper and you're in Harper's apartment. <laughs> Afraid I got a five picked under the eyes and glass? Identification you want? You got it. Hmm. William Robert Mitchell. Billy Bob. Twelve, twelve grand broker. You a broker, Mitchell? It says, don't it? What are you doing here? Waiting. I know the man downstairs with the key. We have an understanding. The five dollar bill under the Eisenglass, huh? <laughs> it ain't there no more. And you're waiting for what? Harper owes me doll. He's been tough to catch up with, so I wait for him where he can find me. What does he owe you money for? I kind of he borrowed it. He does, huh? 
Now get with it, friend. Harper's a longshoreman. He ain't been working. He gets hungry. Needs what to keep the body and mind doing their duties. So I offer my professional services. Billy Bob's known as the kind of man among the tug and haul boys on the docks. Now, Billy Bob's... Hi, uh... Georgie. You don't need a friend, Mitchell. I'll tell you. 10% compounded weekly, the paper says. I just call it to mine. So when you turn this furniture in... Connell's dead. I'll work. I'll pay you. Get out, Bordeaux. I'm from the police, Mr. Hopper. Why? You said it already. Connell's dead. He was shot and... and dipped in concrete and dropped in the river. Now, there is a guy who died the way he lived. You kill him? Once, I almost tried. With a broken bottle. But it never happened. You said he was a cop, Georgie. You make a mouth like that, kiddo. The man pinches you. Yeah, I know. You'll have to wait for your dough. You didn't get along well with Connell, did you? Day before yesterday, I worked for the first time in four months. Day before yesterday, I paid off. Georgie! Georgie, you mean you went to another broker to borrow? No. What did you want to do then? Look, Mitchell. man's going to slap a pinch on me. He's going to have to. I'm the nicest suspect he's had all day. I could make it so the card reads assault and battery, too. You want it to happen? I'll... Uh... Let's talk about that payoff you mentioned. You want a job, you slip a man a bill. You don't pay off, you don't work. What happened to me? Also, Connell spread the word around the other docks about me. It goes on. The day before yesterday, you paid off. And yesterday, Connell gets dead. Am I going with you? That's right. Let's go. The ride uptown on fringe of October night with a man of many griefs, but none for Marty Connell's dying. At headquarters, book him on suspicion of murder. Then the squad room and a quick sleep, quick because morning came quickly. And after that, Doc, where Marty Connell had been hiring boss. And Doc is a jut into gray waters and the horse-chilled laughter of men waiting for a day's work, waiting for shape-up. And against harbor wind, the clots of talk, a tea formation, the two-dollar bets of half-remembered women, women that never happened, and of other autumn, other docks. And at five minutes to eight, scurling the length of waterfront with shrill sound form a circle around the new hiring boss and toothpick on the ear is the currency of the morning. Watch the glint and play of the brass checks in the hands of the man who has the kiss of a job in his power. Watch. Finally, he tosses one. And another. And another. Until his hands are empty and the unhired move away from each other. Move to a street where bar is and warmth. And walk up to one, stop him, talk to him because there are things you need to know. You're a social worker, a teardropper, you got a cozy place. What? Police. Imagine that. Just imagine. No job for you today, huh? You've got a shrewd eye for things, mister. Don't let anybody ever tell you different. Shrewd? I just want to talk to him. You uh, worked this stock before? If I tell you yes, what happened? Guns go off, firecrackers pop, what? Then you knew Marty Connell. It was the load I carried through life. No more, though, huh? Now he's a statue in cement, I heard. <laughs> That's Marty. You ever worked for him? I want to tell you something, mister. If Marty was alive, I'd go out of my way just to find toothpicks and colors so I could impress Marty. Work this dock. Today, I played it with nothing in my ear. Look at me, unemployed. You laughed about Marty's dying. Mm-hmm, like this. Huh? Then why'd you work this dock and not other docks? Why'd you keep coming back for more Marty? You know something? I'm going to tell you. Yeah, anytime. You see that ship they're loading? From the Orient, that ship. Hits this dock about once every eight months. Me, I'm a romantic. I like the way it smells, what it does to me. No other duck can make that statement. 
That's why you kept coming back to Marty, because a ship came in from the Orient every eight months. 